Hi everyone, welcome to This Much I Know, the Seed Camp podcast with me, your host, Carlos Espinal, bringing you the inside story from founders, investors, and leading tech voices. Tune in to hear from the people who built businesses and products, scaled globally, failed fantastically, and learned massively. Welcome everyone. On today's episode, we're going to be covering how to engage with government if government is a source of potential revenue or contracts for you as a small business owner or large business owner. And to do that, we're going to talk with one of the recent seed camp companies called Stotals. Uh, from their website, governments are becoming more transparent. That's great. But just because they're making their information available doesn't necessarily mean they're making it accessible. This clutter and confusion has made working with government suck as an unfortunate truism. It scares off great suppliers and diminishes the value of our taxes provide. We're not cool with this. So we're taking a play out of Aristotle's book, bringing together messy government data, the parts, and building a knowledge base, the whole, to create a level playing field in the public sector. Our mission is to be the place where public sector information flows with purpose and ease. We want those who can provide the best services to win, not those who simply know the process best. And so the idea from Stotals, and when we looked at it to invest in, was how can we make government contracts available? So thanks guys for joining. We're looking forward to discovering how startups and larger companies can engage with governments. Absolutely. Good to be here. So let's start off with how you guys met. Like what, what were you guys doing before? I know that you guys all met while you were doing your studies, but um, I mean, most people that are doing their MBA or, you know, studies aren't necessarily thinking about building a startup that addresses government contracting. How'd that happen? Yeah, I think, I mean, it all stems from what we experienced in our early careers, right? I mean, up until March, right, this area of public sector uh, has really, I don't know the words, taken for granted, but flown under the radar. Um, and what's been happening since uh, COVID-19 uh, has, has kind of taken over the world is people are starting to realize how integral it is to the entirety of the world, right? It's 14% of global GDP, trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars flow from governments to businesses every single year. But until you actually get your hands dirty in it and have experienced it and walk down the, the dark halls of public procurement offices, you don't really think of it as something that is, is something that runs the global economy. And so for all three of us, um, I mean, young boys growing up don't dream about transforming public sector procurement using technology. But I think the reason we really bonded during the MBA at uh, London Business School was we had these shared, shared experiences and shared nightmares in the procurement realm, really to rally around that, um, as weird as it sounds. And um, I mean, pub public sector procurement's not a, a typical cocktail party uh, topic. So once once the three of us got on a yarn about it, we knew that we we had to do something about it. Taj, did you did you guys have a, a chat about your knowledge about the space? Because it seems like one that you know, even simply in your website, it states that it's something that you need to be in the know to really tap into. I mean, we're, for, for, for companies that are thinking about starting something, especially now in spaces where perhaps people have been afraid to touch because they've been too complex. How did you guys even begin uh, thinking about how to tackle this? Well, it comes down to, as John mentioned, a lot of the suffering that we went through trying to sell to the government. Uh, in my case, uh, I had a previous business where we were selling equipment to government-owned mining companies, and we had to go through these public procurement processes. 
And it was just a nightmare. We, we didn't get anywhere with it. And when I came to the NBA, it was a very sore spot for me. And I talked about it probably too much. And as we kind of went through the motions, we realized that uh, the motions of discussing this and John had been on the other side auditing government agencies. We realized that it doesn't come down to any malicious intent from governments. It just comes down to very difficult and opaque admin. And getting through that admin is probably, you know, the real reason why most companies don't want to deal with it. It just seems so nightmarish. It seems so difficult that they need help. And that was really the catalyst for Persodals. If we use tech, if we use all the data that's out there and is very difficult to track down, we can create a product that takes away the difficulties, takes away the friction and brings more small businesses, medium businesses, large businesses into the fold and increases competition and really has a great outcome for everybody in this market, both the suppliers, the government buyers, and in the end, the taxpayer. There's a great stat that I absolutely love that from the European Procurement Commission, it's on their front page, that even a 1% increase in efficiency is a 20 billion euro saving for the taxpayer. So all these, these things kind of came together where, you know, this is a win-win-win for everyone. I mean, when you look at that, when you say it's a win-win-win for everyone, in order to make something that simple, there has to be quite a bit of integrations. You know, like part of software is finding the best integrations and making it super easy and smooth. How how did you guys think about the early beginnings of this product? Just to, to get a sense for what people are actually inter- interfacing with. Is it direct straight line through to like a, um, a person who makes a decision within government? Or is it just like a user interface? that just make simplifies the information that's available out there, but there's still a lot of paper pushing on the back end. Um, yeah, so from the user's perspective, it's effectively a feed of the relevant leads within the government that they need to know about in order to keep a pulse on their market and the opportunities that they should be chasing down. Um, when we think about how that actually happens in the background, it's, it's, it's a three-step process where we're basically aggregating a huge amount of uh, data that the government is publishing. And it's, it's worth mentioning that that wasn't possible five, 10 years ago because a lot of governments are now migrating to uh, digital, digital frontiers to e-procurement. And so that machine-readable data is now just sort of to crystallize as um, something that's available for businesses and you know researchers to, to tap into. So we aggregate all that data, that's step one. Step two is matching. So we have millions of opportunities and our customers, you know, for example, cybersecurity consultant only wants to see those relevant ones. So we make those connections and then give them the tools to action it. Um, so at this point, um, we show them who they should be talking to and when and give them all the context they need to make intelligent decisions and then they will go through the the bidding process with the buyer. So walk us through, maybe maybe we take two steps back, walk us through a pre and post. So a a company before startles and the company after, what what was the traditional process? Just to anybody who is not familiar with this and is considering engaging with government, walk us through what they would have had, had to do and now what they would do. So uh, I can take this one. Um, the way we like to think about it is there's, there's all this information out there and, you know, companies had ways of getting this information. So that's all the way down to where are these tender documents? Um, 
previously in the past, they had to go to all these government websites. They had to search through and find all the relevant opportunities on their own. That's something that we've been able to automate. But perhaps more importantly, and what really moves the needle is we can tell them where those doc when those documents are coming out and who they're going to come from before they actually do. And so that's important because in this space and pretty much in all sales everywhere, you want to have relationships with the seller before they actually go to market because that puts you in the best situation to influence what the, the actual scope of work is going to look like, what the values are, and it puts you in the best stage for when you're going to be competing with other suppliers. Um, John, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. Well, I think that's the exact, um, and we talk about misconceptions in the public sector, right? I mean, there's often this stigma around it, around like people having dinners and passing brown bags of money to, to close deals. Um, in reality, the transparency that, that has come um, has, has eliminated a lot of that, right? Any corruption in government um, has been eliminated through transparency and the procurement pro processes that have come into place. But what transparency has also done is created a situation where every government publishes every need and the market has begun to react to those needs on all these, on these databases. But in reality, that's just where the procurement process begins. There is a whole sequence of work and selling process that occurs even way before that procurement process. So what we found um, in our studies is that if you are beginning to try to get into government right when the RFP documents or the tender documents come out, the win rates on those outcomes are less than 4% versus if you pre-engage, build relationships, try to drive value, solve problems with your product within the government, your win rates go upwards of 45%. And so that's really the crux of the before and after, right? Before, people were being reactive to tenders that were coming out oh, great, transparency, let's go, we can see all these opportunities. But in reality, relationships are what drive markets, right? Private sector, public sector, whatever it is. So what we're doing instead uh, in the past, where a very select few had the ability to build and maintain relationships with the public sector and would win these gigantic contracts, now what we're doing is democratizing that information that allows people to move from reactive to proactive to build relationships before that tender and actually improve their outcomes in the public sector. So it's all around this idea of using data to allow people to be more proactive and build the right relationships at the right time. So, so walk us through what proactivity looks like though. So I, I understand what you're saying, like A, there was a lack of information, B, that lack of information led to the people having to be reactive to whenever it was found rather than proactive and in, in mm -hmm. teeing it up so that you have higher probability of getting the contract. But what is building a relationship look like at the end of the day? Because even if I have access to this data, it doesn't shortcut that. that I think you use the expression like brown bag, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you mm -hmm. still interface there? Yes. So the, the important thing just for clarity is that this isn't a, this has nothing to do with corruption. This is when a procurement manager within a government entity has to go out and buy something. He's not a, an expert in that specific thing, right? Because this, this procurement manager has to buy everything from toilet paper to CRM systems. Mm -hmm. So to figure out what that tender document is going to look like, he has to figure out what the scope of work looks like, how much roughly they're going to pay for it, and all the other bits and pieces. The best way to do that is for them to speak to existing suppliers and form that scope of work and the potential value of it. The suppliers that are part of that conversation have an advantage. So what suppliers do, this is the reason why they have you know, BDRs and, and sales reps they do actual outbound, they organize events, they pay consultants to point them in the right direction so that they can speak to the right procurement managers at the right time. 
namely, you know, a few months before they're actually going to be putting this tender out and they're in that stage of figuring out what the scope of work looks like and how much you're going to pay for it. So really what we're doing is systematizing that, allowing them to point their sales teams in the right direction so that they're focusing on the most likely leads at the right time and they have the right contact information to actually reach them. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you guys maybe if, if you have a chance for, for people who are watching this uh, to share a screen. I don't know if maybe, Carson, you have a screen ready, but uh, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll queue, I'll queue it up. Um, All right. Let me just, so that just as like a bit of a visualize. Yeah, some of the yeah, stuff. Absolutely. But while you're doing that, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about sectors. I mean, I think people understand government, big government, right? And, mm-hmm. and I mean, look, I'm as new to this as probably the listeners in this, in the sense that I, I don't know how government procurement works, right? This is your area of expertise. And one of the things is that for me, like if you're in, in the States, for example, that could include everything from NASA to, uh, you know, MOD or, you know, Department of Defense or, or, or the health system, right? And so w- when you when you guys talk about this, are you, w- what elements are, are, are available on, on STOTALs and, and what is not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, along those lines, right? If, if you look at the public sector, like Taj mentioned, they buy anything from toilet paper to CRM systems, right? And our system has all the data around all those things that governments buy. Really what it comes down to is what Carson mentioned earlier, is being more systematic and data-driven about how our suppliers on our platform are matched to, one, the actual opportunities that come out, two, the leading indicators that are relevant to them, and three, the actual specific areas or departments or people in government that are specifically related to the need that they can go after. So what I'm getting at here is it's no different than selling the private sector, right? If you sell CRM systems, um, you want to go talk to CTOs, chief marketing officers in the private sector. You want to do that same thing in the public sector uh, within buyers. And so really what we're trying to get at is being very crisp and clear in our platform around how our suppliers are able to engage uh, with the right people. That means finding the right contact in a specific buyer, that means finding leading indicators, meaning what's the story, a typical story of a CRM purchase? Is it year five, uh, year minus five, um, a digital transformation initiative goes into place, year minus four, a chief marketing officer comes into place? What are those um, kind of breadcrumbs that typically lead to an opportunity? So that then our users can then map that across the entire market and say, okay, well, buyer X is showing these signals more than buyer Y. Let's prioritize our relationship building and our sales efforts with buyer X. Um, and so I guess one example of how those leading indicators take place um, is, I mean, you could look at in the sector of like energy, right? There's a there's a fuel client that we have that sells fuel to government fleets, um, government agencies that have cars. Well, they could chase fleet tenders or fleet RFPs where governments want to buy um, cars, but they could actually also get more proactive by, uh, or sorry, <laughs> tenders where governments are buying fuel. But actually what they want to do is, chase opportunities and build relationships in areas where governments are actually buying cars, where that subsequent need for fuel is coming. So that's an example where the leading indicators can allow our clients on our platform to find which relationships to go build. Great. Um, I can I don't give know a if little sneak to... peek. Yeah, Karsten, please go ahead. Uh, show us sure. sort of an example of that. And then Absolutely. Taj, maybe I'd like to explore some other sectors, like the, the sort of maybe sectors ranked mm-hmm. by, by order of need at the moment. Since you guys yeah. have a live view. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the sectors that we're focusing on, John mentioned that our data actually covers all sectors. But the companies that we're focused on helping on today are in the, in the digital vertical. 
so companies that provide digital services, um, usually software products, but also in, in the consulting and advisory realm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because digital is one of the biggest growing sectors for the pub, for the public sector uh, as digitization takes over. Um, on a separate note, because of the COVID-19 situation, we for free are providing help to uh, healthcare and really any other related um, sectors. Um, that's a little bit of a separate topic, but just wanted to highlight it. Um, there are other sectors that pretty much all sectors that provide goods and services are relevant to this and we can expand into. The only one that I'd point out um, is a little bit different is defense. Uh, and mm. that's specific to the very large ticket specialized items, things like nuclear submarines or you know nuclear warheads, things that are created. Uh, there's only a handful of companies that really serve those type of needs, companies like BAE Systems. Um, they really don't have a need for our product, but um, you know, everyone else in defense, you know, things like temporary labor, security services for embassies, all of those things still go through traditional procurement processes and we see them flow through um, the data that we have. Uh, I hope I answered so, your question there. Yeah, you did. It's, it's helpful to at least sort of stack and rank the sectors. It sounds like mm-hmm. for sure some of them are going to be off limits and then some of them are, are very, very apropos for, you know, startup to engage with government. And so maybe with that, Karsten, do you want to walk us through what we're seeing here? Yeah, sure. So this is really the proactive uh, tooling that we've we've been talking about, about how our customers can get ahead of the tenders that are coming out. So what you're looking at is their pipeline out into the future in terms of indicators of spend materializing. Um, and that's basically populated by a bunch of different indicators that we've extracted by looking at the data from a number of different angles. So for example, you know, one particularly popular one is uh, by looking at competitors. So they can look at, okay, what are the different contracts that our competitors hold now? And the reason that that's a valuable leading indicator is because this contract is in force until the end of May. At that point, the government is going to need to go to tender for the renewal. And so our customer can look at this and say, okay, great. Medicines and Healthcare Product Regulatory Agency, that's a relationship we should invest in now so that when that renewal comes around, we have an actual competitive chance uh, in this tender. Um, and, and it's also, and so and you can kind of click in, get all the details on the specific, um, on the specific leads. And, and it's also worth noting that it's a, re- it's a pretty complex chain in a lot of cases. Like for example, here, this is a service now product, but implemented by Accenture. So there's often a bunch of links that you have to go through in the chain in order to get those nuggets of information. Yeah, and all this um, information is stuff that would have been publicly available. It's just that you've organized it really well. Exactly. So there's nowhere else where, yeah, there's nowhere else where you can go and just type in ServiceNow and, and see all of the contracts that they hold and relationships they have. They don't even hold this contract. This is just a relationship that we've inferred. Um, so yeah, you're exactly right in that all this information is available, uh, but it's not accessible and we, we close that gap. Okay. Well, while we have the screen on, um, maybe we can switch from this particular customer to just like what a new, right now, I just imagine you're, you're a startup, you're potentially even thinking about pivoting and you're thinking, okay, what contracts can I close? Whether you enterprise, uh, software company of any sort. Um, and you wanted to go on Stotals now and be like, okay, I, I'm going to try to see if I can 
you know, bid on any one of these these contracts, what what would that landing screen look like? Maybe walk us through what would the sure. discovery so, process look like? So, I mean, for our typical flow, um, what we do is we push the relevant things to our customers. What a, a kind of product insight that we've um, crystallized o- over over the past is folks are much less interested in tools where they have to go and pull the relevant stuff out and search for it. Um, they just want it to be pushed to them. So we actually, via our onboarding process, understand what all those needs are and then build the, the query that then on a regular basis spits out those that feed. So here you can see the feed of all of the new items coming through and all of those that have been um, already addressed and you know, have follow-up tasks, et cetera, to, uh, to bring it across the line. Um, I mean, you can go in and search for you know, whatever it is that you need, um, PPE, for example. And, and uh, so you can do that exploration. What we've found is that folks are much less likely to do this versus just having it served up to them. Yeah. And I think the important kind of distinction here is is that tender inbox, um, the push speed of those RFPs or tenders that are coming out, again, is is a starting point some ending point, right? It's a way to get a pulse on the market and see what's coming through. But the real hope is to take uh, that journey from reactive to proactive, right? To start seeing, okay, how do we start moving from reacting to these tenders to being proactive about how we build relationships in the public sector? Because I think that's, at the end of the day, what will really move the needle uh, and improve win rates and and improve your outcomes. So that's one thing that we do um, like to talk with our clients about is, look, Yes, it's, it's this kind of necessary evil where you need to keep uh, tabs on these tenders, but take them with a grain of salt. Don't just rely on the transparency that exists through tenders and negate your normal sales processes, right? You still need to get up the funnel, build relationships and shape opportunities to actually make an indent. And that's where we really try to use the more advanced tools uh, to help people do so. Yeah, no, that's very helpful. Um, and it's, it's good to see the variety of, of um, choices and, and sectors available there. Uh, that last example of PPE, for example, highlighted that you could you could even look for things as as um, on point as that. Now, in terms of jurisdictions, um, when you did that search, I noticed that some of them were coming from Dublin, some were coming from the UK. You know, walk us through some of the myths that that people probably have about engaging with governments. For example, I long time ago I, I ended up having to deal with um, a US related thing and and a requirement was that you had to be a U.S. citizen, you know, and and so that that sort of excluded several people and providers because uh, they didn't have the security clearance or then. So maybe some myths, you know, like do you have to be from the government that is doing it? Do, is there a certain qualifiers, certain um, approvals or, or grants or something like that? So one one myth that um, I've definitely seen is that governments are not really willing or interested in engaging in new solutions, in new processes or techniques. Um, the government is is very hungry to engage with these. They, they absolutely see the value. And I'd say the UK government in particular is, is a leader amongst um, you know, the, the, the world in terms of adopting uh, newer methods. I mean, open banking is, is a bit of a tangential example there, but the, the exact same thing is happening in the procurement space. Um, so, I mean, a lot of the folks listening to this probably more interested in the digital sphere. The UK government has a Spark framework, which is exclusively dedicated to novel solutions 
uh, that, you know, a government isn't going to be saying, um, you know, oh, we need a, tend- a tender for a computer vision um, service that will detect car crashes via our CCTVs. That, but they realize that there's value there and they're creating channels that these innovative solutions can come through. So again, to the, the kind of relationship side of things, it's, it's the exact same as in the private sector where you need to go out there and engage with folks and to get them excited about what you're doing. And these channels do exist. Yeah, I guess um, the, the one myth or misconception that um, we often see out there is and it's, a, lot of, a lot of it's kind of related to a, either a recency bias or availability bias of either a new story or, or like one really poor experience in trying to sell the public sector. But it's the fact that just because things are transparent doesn't necessarily mean they're easy to win. Right. Um, and what I mean by that is just because a tender comes out doesn't mean that you're entitled to win it. I mean, what's happening here is that that tender is being advertised to thousands and thousands of suppliers. At the end of the day, if you're relying on a single tender and going to bid on it, um, you're, you'd ha- you're going to have the same success as you would as if you went to a private sector company, knocked on their door and said, you want to buy this without even ever having talked to them before. So really what it comes down to is people, because of the transparency that exists, people begin to rely on those tenders um, without actually realizing that they need to keep that same quality of process and sales cycle behavior um, that they do in their normal sales channels with the, with the private sector. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Tosh, I don't know if you wanted to add anything to that or any other myth that... Yeah, I think I think kind of the, the elephant in the room when it comes to government procurement is that people think that there's a lot of brown bags going around and, you know, these things are decided over dinner somewhere. And truly, it's impossible you know I, I am sure it may happen in some countries with some contracts um, every single I, I netflix would... series involves this <laughs> exactly <laughs> I mean, exactly honestly and you know I the war dogs, where people get it from <laughs> the war dogs movie didn't help um yeah <laughs> but really the processes are so strict and the regulatory environment is so strict for the actual procurers so the buyers in this space that you know, they often won't even accept a glass of water from someone if they think that it could get them in trouble. So really, the the environment is very fair. But as John mentioned, what's important here is you still need to go through this, a selling process. You still need to convince someone to buy something from you. And that's not as easy as just putting in a bid and hoping that, you know, it's going to stick. It comes down to really pleading your case, creating excitement about what you're doing and showing why you are a, the best supplier to do it and why your service or product is better than everything else out there in terms of value to the buyer. Um, and that really cannot go overlooked. That's something that's difficult to do. And we're here to help companies do that as best they can. Yeah. And to tie, Sorry, to ahead, tie together those myths, um, really what we see these myths are as these are the very same things that have created the stigma around the public sector. And what that stigma does is leads people to forget about the tremendous upside and the tremendous amount of opportunity that's there to uh, one, create social impact, two, grow their businesses. And so for us, I think the big thing that we we constantly want to try to bring to the surface is the scale at which B2G operates, right? I mentioned at the very beginning, 14% of global GDP flows from governments to businesses. Huge opportunity, right for technological disruption. Um, you've got a situation in the public sector where now everyone's realizing uh, how important it is, right? Thousands of government workers who have never really used laptops um, now being forced to um, kind of move towards accelerated digital transformation, PPE uh, that needs to get from supplier to buyer but can't. 
right? It's such an interesting and, and bizarre economic situation we're in where demand is, is urgent, supply is eager, buyers want to buy, sellers want to sell, but the systemic process and friction in place is keeping them from doing so. And so that's exactly what we're trying to tackle to try to bust some of these, bust some of these myths. Yeah. And, and you shared with me your common high level success sequence. I don't know if you want to go through it, John, but. Mm -hmm. the yeah, happy to. Um, I think the big thing here is first and foremost is the change in mindset, right? Kind of the exact things that I was just, uh, kind of talking about. It's all about changing your mindset towards the public sector and not uh, relying on tenders to come out to be your source of leads, uh, your sole source of leads. And then the second is really tied to that. Use data as a gas pedal, not a brake, right? If you're relying on tenders and using that data to be the thing that's going to drive all your sales efforts, um, you're going to show exactly what the statistics show, win rates less than 4 or 5%. Um, so really using the data that's out there to get proactive, get up the sales funnel, build relationships with the right message and the right person. Um, and then the, the third thing there is to build the credibility. And this, this goes for people currently selling public sector, new entrants to public sector. Keep it simple, I guess is what we say. What we've found and we've seen tremendous success from our clients when they do one thing really, 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 really well, build a case study around it and begin to share that story across the public sector. People talk, right? At the end of the day, this is, is people-based. Um, and we're saying that as a data-driven company, right? No amount of data will ever replace the relationships that need to be built. But what you can do is use the data to know what relationships you need to build and build them with credibility. Uh, and then from there, it's all about rinsing and repeating. Um, I think if I were to give one tip for somebody who's never worked with public sector before um, and wants to get into it, it's, I'm stealing a line from Paul Graham here, but do things that don't scale. Do one simple thing, win one contract, build one relationship that gets you in. And from there, you'll be able to build that credibility and start to start to grow in the public sector. Great. No, that's great advice. And, you know, I want to wrap up this this chat with uh, things about Stotal, more specific to the company. And you guys, I know that you've uh, launched this uh, in the UK and in you know Europe, and but I want to talk a little bit about bigger vision. Um, what the bigger vision is um, as a company, uh, what drives you guys and, and where do you see your company being, you know, five, 10 years from now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think everything we've described at this point, um, that being our, our software as a service for suppliers to help get into the public sector is setting the stage for a big, big vision that we have, right? Our mission as a company is to unlock the potential of business and government working better together. And toward that mission, everything we're doing right now around bringing suppliers on board, allowing them to use data to get into the public sector, and then begin facilitating relationships with the buyer side, those are the things that we see as beginning to unlock our ability um, to really start to, to reduce the friction in public sector, right? At the point that we have suppliers that are, that are working on our platform um, that can start to get pre-qualified and vetted more easily, we can also enable buyers to find suppliers more quickly um, vet suppliers more quickly and begin to unlock not only um, single-sided effects, but kind of the the dual-sided effects of people being able to work together without the friction. Um, yeah, and, and Taj and Carson for sure have some thoughts on this as well in terms of the specifics of what it unlocks. But I think the main point here is that this is only the beginning. Uh, it's setting the stage to really open things up, uh, make things more fair, uh, and make people's lives a lot easier. Yeah. Um, I, I, my, my tack on that is really the, in one sentence, what we're trying to create is procurement 2.0, right? We're, we're a world where 
there is no administrative burden between the buyers and the suppliers. And any buyer that is looking to buy a good or service will have access to all the relevant suppliers, all of those that want to compete for that work, and will be very quickly and efficiently able to whittle that down to the number one best and give them that work, right? A process that currently takes weeks, sometimes months, should be a couple of clicks, you know, maybe a day, no more than that. Yeah, and I'll just tack on more from a product perspective, um, really what we're driving towards and, and what we've what we're building now is a knowledge base, which is the most accurate representation of the public sector procurement landscape in the world. And from there, we can just leverage that, use that information from a huge amount of angles in order to serve suppliers as we are now, buyers in the future, third-party services that um, surround it. I mean, the, the, the possibilities are endless once, once we have that view crystallized. Excellent. Well, guys, thanks for joining. That was, was great to hear. Hopefully very helpful for startups thinking about engaging with governments. And um, any, any tips on how to get in touch with you You've got, if somebody needs help or anything like that? Yeah, we're, we're always open. Um, we've got email team at stottles.com. So stottles is spelled S-T-O-T-L-E-S in case that helps. Um, and yeah, email us at any time. Uh, we're building up our early adopter list um, and bringing, bringing folks on board um, to help them really charge into the public sector with confidence. Cool. So with that, guys, until next time, bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud and leave us a read with your thoughts on our show.